0: Welcome everyone to our holiday recap podcast and I am lucky enough to have Robin Frank
1: with us. Robin how are you doing? Doing great. I was excited about getting together with you Stephen. sort of doing a year in review.
0: Yes and first of all we'd like to wish everyone a happy happy holidays. It's that time of year Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: um, hope you family loved ones are all safe and um, and doing well, and you're going to get a chance to enjoy the end of the year.
1: And we also wanted to take a moment to thank all our panelists and attendees and sponsors for a very successful conference season. It's just been, despite the challenges, the pandemic going virtual, it's been really, really um, fulfilling. And we thank you all for your participation.
0: And the big news is, we are going to be going back to in-person conferences starting in April. So mm-hmm. we will have a full slate of events. We're going to still run virtual conferences in different formats because it's ai don't think that's ever going away. Um, and it makes it really easy for us to bring everyone together, especially in diversity. And we've been really lucky in finding a great platform, Remo, that has allowed us to do that and provide networking. So we're excited. But we are going to be relaunching our in-person In person events. So break out that suit, Robin. Break out that suit. Get everything ready.
1: Got to get my hair fluffed. Got to get suited and booted, as you would say, already. Great.
0: (laughs) So let's take this opportunity because we've had the, uh, we've launched our podcast series, which has just completely taken off. Um, I've turned into a sound engineer this year, and we're doing podcasts all the time, uh, meaning that we're interviewing different people from law firms, in house counsel. Uh, diversity officers, and executives on Wall Street. So we're starting to get a real flavor for what's going on in diversity. And then Robin has been moderating almost all the sessions, so has some real insight into some of the topics and trends that we're noticing. So I figured, Robin, what have you been noticing in terms of trends that have come up in the conferences?
1: Well, before I tell you that, I first want to take a moment I have had some amazing guest moderators. So though I do do most of the moderate, I want to give a shout out to those who've been really helpful and have stepped up and guest moderated. So you know who you are, and I want to thank you. Um, so I, I, if I would have to kind of give you an overall first before digging in, I would say I think that the, um, the workplace has become somewhat kinder and gentler And what I mean by that is people are insisting on working in a place that optimizes and prioritizes inclusion, diversity, equity, and inclusion, but a sense of belonging, that vulnerability is no longer a dirty word. Um, I think to a large extent, what I've seen is those values have led to what everybody's been calling the great resignation. Um, I think people are starting to realize that they don't have to suffer, that they can insist on being allowed to be fully human. And I think that most companies, at least the ones we've been fortunate to deal with, are not turning a deaf ear. They're embracing that. And they're understanding that if they want to continue to attract diverse talent and talent in general, they're going to have to provide that because especially um, the young talent is not going to stand for a place, they're not going to go to a place that's not going to offer that opportunity to really be part of the culture. So um, I'd say that those were the highlights. Um, I could well, let's little- just
0: take, yeah, let's let, let's go because we
1: <laughs> the great
0: resignation. So a couple a couple of things, just as a note. Um, you know, everyone's looking for good people and retention is key. I think. It may also be a little artificial right now because of what happened with COVID. And, um, I think it's a great, both a great opportunity. And I think also people out there should just be, um, be really careful because as quickly as it can be very pro employee, uh, we Robin and I have seen it throughout our careers also swing where all of a sudden all the power is in the employers, employer's hands. And that can happen very quickly. Um, once people, Because at some point, people are going to have to work and and make a living. So I think that's really an interesting situation we're in. But along with the great resignation, what's come out of a lot of the podcasts and what a lot of corporations are doing is they're hiring more diversely and they're intentionally hiring more diversely. So just in the last six months, we've noticed way more uh, lateral hires and transitions going on. So people are being hired um very qualified people, but companies are hiring more diversely and that is sort of the other side of the great resignation. If you are um, have a high a skill set and you want to make a move or move your career, this is the time to really take advantage of that because I think you will not only get new opportunities but um, you know there's there's a lot of increased compensation doing work that means something to you. all of these things I think are out there that are tied into the great resignation. You know, when you've been talking to people, have you been hearing a lot about sort of lateral hires and um, promotions around around diversity, Robin, from the people you've been talking
1: with? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yes, I would have to say yes in capital letters. Yes.
0: And in our in our podcast series, there have been some amazing coaching pieces of coaching advice. I one that jumps out to me is Jen Rubin in in regards to how to negotiate and ask for the salaries and really understand how you're going to um, get the promotion or the raise or the very difficult situations when you are making a transition, even, you know, be careful what you wish for. You may get it and making a transition from one job to another job or one position to a, uh, you know, a new, more advanced position, we have responsibility is a transition, and that can be very difficult. And really making sure that you are supported, that's come out in the podcasts. So not just assuming that you are going to be, you know, make sure that if you do decide to make the change, that you are in an environment where they are going to support you. And the topic that um, really you you developed, Robin, was that Noah's Ark, the tokenism topic, Mm -hmm. a a topic or word we're going to hear a lot more in 2022.
1: Uh, I think you're right. And again, I always have to give credit where credit is due so that the idea for Noah's Ark um, was presented to me from one of our sponsors, Vanessa Scott, and she had actually seen it on on a book. So I can't take it. It wasn't my original, but yes, I did take it and run with it, ran with it. And thank you, Vanessa, for that.
0: So, I mean, one of the things that we do with a topic like that is we call it the rule of five, is that just because one person thinks it's a good idea. Um, doesn't mean we run a panel topic on it. We have to hear it from other people, or it comes up multiple times. So if we hear a good idea, it has to be echoed across different cities and different industries. Now, I noticed one of the things that came out a lot was, um, you know, I've, I know you talked a lot about micro affirmations. How, how did that come out in the, in the um, at the conferences and panel topics?
1: So what you said before that. And going into the micro affirmations, what happens and what I enjoy so much about running the events is that I will have a topic and it get, continues to get developed over time. So when I'm moderating, I'm also taking notes. I'm hearing, i actually listening to what the people are saying, and I continue to evolve the talking points or the outline around that. And when we were doing a panel on microaggressions, one of the panelists said, I prefer micro affirmations to microaggressions. And that was a way of flipping the microaggression and bringing it into a positive. And, um, and so that's where that came from. And that's where we started to direct it because look, one thing, again, I love about our conferences is that we talk, we lay out the problem, we put it out there, what is the challenge? And then we quickly get to, well, what are we going to do about that? And most of the panel and what we do with the audience is, work on finding those solutions so that people are leaving with action items. And it's not just a situation where we're sitting and talking about what's wrong.
0: So I know another new topic is the, uh, the cancel culture, right. Um, And how that's impacting the way that people are doing their jobs and how they're, they're, they're uh, approaching and and dealing with that. And there were some really interesting um, discussions and, For me, one of the things that I think we all have to be open is to talk about it. Uh, But it's more of a bigger picture is like if we can't talk about something because we're worried about or ask questions because we're worried about getting canceled, that is not conducive to change. Um, On the other side, we can't tolerate, you know, discrimination, racism, misogynism in any way. At the same time, we have to balance that with just communicating with each other, too.
1: Exactly. And what has come out of that particular panel is understanding to make the distinction between canceling and accountability. And what I really love about the people who attend our events is that they are willing to hear, they're willing to have a safe space. We are free to express our views and learn. Um, And it's just really a matter of how that education is received So we don't only talk on the panel about what it feels to be the, you know, the object or the victim of a microaggression, but how to handle it if you're the one being called out. And rather than get defensive, to be able to open up and hear what that person is saying is very, very important so that we can continue to learn. And from the point of view of the victim or the person who it's, you know, being put on is also finding within themselves based on that person's response to offer forgiveness. So that's how we continue to learn and grow um, by creating that space so that a dialogue can take place. And the other thing, I'm just sorry, I'm going to go on here for a moment, is distinguishing on that panel between intention and impact. And for the perpetrator to understand that even if the intention isn't there, that the impact is still there and you have to take responsibility for that.
0: There's a different, um, there's a different sensitivity between generations um, and younger generations are getting triggered in a different way than uh, more senior, more advanced, you know, people who've been around longer. Um, and I think that we, I had a very interesting podcast with someone who was talking about, who's actually um, a young millennial who's in a diversity officer position. and. She was saying the biggest challenge she faces is making employees, especially newer employees, understand what the function of a business was. Right. So being sensitive to everything, but a business can't solve all of uh, society or culture's problems, but at the same time, be aware and help and, and, and be a positive force. And she said that was one of the hardest things because of how difficult it was to communicate that message. I mean, and that, that comes into um, sort of a couple of things that I've heard you talk about, both proximity bias and, and vulnerability as, as themes at the conferences as well.
1: Well, there are things that I think need to be watched out for, and that's where the proximity bias comes in. Again, everything I learned from our panelists. Um, so yes, I do feel pretty hopeful about the future, But one of the issues that seem to be coming up is um, this thing called proximity bias so that people who are actually on site or at the brick and mortar office, um, there's the concern that they will have an advantage over people who are remote. So it's too early to tell exactly how that's going to play out. But the point is to be aware of it, you know, to look for it and to find ways to counteract that potential bias. Um, The vulnerability piece is something that, again, I I view as a positive. Um, We've been invited into each other's homes. We are looking at each other's uh, desks and spouses and children and pets. And, you know, we're not always dressed perfectly. And, And that used to be an absolute no way. And it's becoming more and more acceptable. So as that's happening, we are learning how to it's okay to really be you. You don't have to have a professional persona and a personal persona. Um, The two are sort of merging into one so that we are being fully human at work.
0: You're going to hear vulnerability, um, I think a lot in 2022. Um, The the person who's been a big advocate and sort of done a Texas take on it is Brené Brown. Uh, She talks a lot about vulnerability and I think that's been picked up um, as all of the sort of development themes. And I think that's going to be a catchphrase that we're here a lot, but I think it's really important that we actually understand what it means, right? Being vulnerable doesn't mean you don't also stand up for yourself. You don't say what's right or what's not right, but being open to all of that and then, and then seeing, you know, where you were wrong, where you m- maybe were right, but what, 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 how that all fits in with your value system, I think is all, you know, kind of ties into that vulnerability. Um one of the themes that comes up, and I think it ties into allyship and, and um, privilege, is also we've seen in the in the um, podcasts the importance of role models. Whether your father or mother was in the law, was a partner at a law firm, ran a business, um, really encouraged you, no matter what, to to um, go for go for it. Um, was there for you, whatever the situation but really gave very strong role models and untraditional role models. Um, A lot of the times at law firms, the people who mentored and sponsored uh, rising diverse talent and women were white men, right? White males who really sponsored and were allies. um, And having the ability to see others who look like you very, very clearly came out in the podcast when um, being aware of it and making sure you brought people up you know, made that made it very easy for people to come up behind you or the impact that seeing other people doing what you did uh, made it a lot easier to be successful and follow your dreams and fulfill your potential. Um, how, how do you see that sort of playing into the allyship and privilege uh, topics that came up a lot at the conferences?
1: So the big thing was the idea that privilege isn't a dirty word. <laughs> It's some people have privilege, some people don't, um, or there are different levels of privilege and it's not it's not that simple. Um, so more than a few of our panelists actually pointed out that everybody on the panel had some form of privilege because they had economic privilege, regardless of race or gender or sexual orientation, et cetera. Um, and so the idea is to take whatever privilege you have And to channel it into allyship so privilege and allyship in a way can be seen as going hand in hand um and then um there's also the idea that allyship is um, not a spectator sport that's another thing i heard that if you're going to be a true ally you really do have to have skin in the game you have to be willing to risk your own uh reputation and the way people feel about you whether it be in your personal or professional life to stand up for those who are underrepresented, even if others in your privileged group um, don't want to share the pie, that then maybe you have to walk away from the pie. So. Right, and that,
0: yeah, my, my last one on an individual basis is there is a, there's two things, but one, there is a real clear pattern of people on an individual development basis, on people overcoming a lot more adversity, because obviously if you're coming from a diverse group, a disenfranchised group, you're uh, a woman in a very male dominant industry, um, knowing what you want and knowing your goals. Um, From all the people we interviewed, that was really clear. When people really knew what they wanted and they made a decision to go for it, it was almost like they had blinkers on. It was almost as if they didn't notice some of the injustice that was being um, that was being uh, kind of the challenges they were coming up against. So that was really fascinating because when you know what you want and you receive, you know, challenges, obstacles coming your way, it's just you know what you're going to do. When you get faced adversity, you know that you need to move forward. And then the other side of that was when people didn't 100% know What they wanted, they had very strong values, or they just sort of took the road that was ahead of them and they got the most out of that position if it wasn't ideal. And what they found is they looking back at their career 15 years later, and maybe it was an untraditional route, but they had all of this skill set, which now allowed them to really blossom. And that has come up a lot. So people realizing and looking back, oh, I had to do this. And I was in a position that wasn't exactly what I wanted, but I learned all of these new skills and it actually allowed me to be more successful later on. Almost like there's a a bamboo plant that spends five years growing roots. And then once it starts growing, it grows like incredibly quickly. And that's kind of, you know, the two themes that I got out of that. Um, I I have one more point, Robin, in terms of where we're going with corporate. Corporations and DEI, was there anything else that you wanted to kind of add from the conferences?
1: Yeah, I'm just going to add one more point. And then, you know, which is the, the thing you just mentioned, that particular topic is the one that's the most near and dear to my heart. And it's one I've been working on even before the pandemic: this idea that you really need to get straight with what you want before you ask for it. And, and to your point earlier, Steve, be careful what you wish for. Um, there is this potential to just sort of get swept up and and go along a track that might not necessarily be the track that's going to bring you happiness. Um, but again, the advantage at the end is maybe you develop certain skills that end up leading to what you really want. So I do recommend, though, and I have to recommend that you take a moment and think about what it is you really want before you make that big ask.
0: Okay, great. So the other aspect is it's very clear across many industries that companies, corporations, And law firms, organizations are making a big shift with diversity. They're hiring more diversity. This is front and center. And we've just started um, running chief diversity officer events, what we call our DEI summit. And that group, and I've started to interview and do do prep calls for the podcast interviews, has probably the toughest job in corporate America right now, one of the most important. But it is indicative of where companies are going. And I think progress and change. So on the positive side, progress and change is going to happen quickly. However, um, they have a really tough time right now because they are stuck between the C suite, getting their buy-in, the employees, act what's called activating the employees, but they don't own any of it. They're not in charge of recruiting. They're not necessarily in charge of uh, training and They have to really work very hard, and they're not actually getting the training around management that they need. So this is, for me, the next frontier, and it's something that we're really going to look at to to help that group as well as keep going with our legal events. Um, We're running events on Wall Street, corporate governance and leadership, and then we're going to be branching out into all sorts of new industries in the coming year, which we're really excited to bring not only our expertise, but here and help those sectors, industries and segments um, really make changes to, to to diversity, inclusion and equity. So um, with that, Robin, I'd love to I want to thank you for your work this year, because be careful what you wish for. You may work end up working at Centerforce. Um, <laughs> so thank you for all you do. Have a have good holidays. I'm going to be seeing you later for dinner, I think, with the company. Yeah. Right.
1: The holiday dinner, and I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity and the platform. So happy holidays to all. All
0: right, everyone. And of course, if you have any thoughts, ideas, um, please reach out to Robin. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks a lot for your support. Take care.